to Matthew chapter 25. Before we continue with the lesson, I'd like to start off just in a word of prayer. God, we're so grateful to be here. Just to be able to worship you as a family. You know, God, and it's just so awesome to have so much of our family here visiting with us. Lord, I pray that as we're looking at your word this morning, that it's your word that impacts our hearts, so we can soften our hearts to receive it. I pray that you speak through me this morning, God, that you take me out of the way, and that it's your words that come out. We love you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Now, I wasn't sure what to call the lesson this morning. I kind of came up with, if I'm honest with you, in our pre-meeting 30 minutes ago, the title of it at least, is Rise Up. And you're like, what does that mean? Well, it's football season. Okay. The sisters are like, oh, already? Football lesson? Don't worry, I'm not going to stay on football too long. But it's football season, and I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan, and our theme this year is Rise Up. And it's only because we've been down. (laughs) You know, but we love themes like that. Themes like revival, renewal, uh, restore. We we love things like that. You know, I think of, uh, you know, my family, the family that I married into, they're all Detroit fans. And they've been saying the same theme for years. Restore the roar for the Detroit Lions. And uh, the only reason you have to restore the roar is because... It's not there right now. You guys laugh, but every single one of you, all your teams have gone through that. I appreciate the Lotanes there in town. And uh, I asked Nathan, what's the Washington Redskins theme this year? He's like, don't stink again. That's our theme. So sports fans, you know how it is to have your team on a high. You know how it is to have your team on a low. But one of the things that I love, I think every sports fan loves is when your team is on the way back up, when you when there's like restoration happening, when there's revival happening, you know, I'm excited. They're reviving the old school Star Wars this winter. I'm a I'm a geek and I'm a sports fan. Okay, that's that's just a little bit about myself. You know, this morning. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what does it take to have a spiritual revival? Because I believe this is one of those lessons that it doesn't matter where you're at, whether this is your first, second, or third time at church, you've been coming to church for the last 30 years, at some point in your life, you always need some sort of revival. You always need some sort of renewal. You need to kind of, you got to get back to the old good habits, not the bad habits, but back to the old good habits. You got to renew the goals. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning is um, what it takes to have a spiritual revival. So I have three points for everybody this morning. I'm going to go and tell you the points and we'll fill in the blanks later. But point number one is going to be, if you're going to have a spiritual revival, you got to take responsibility for your life. Point number two is you got to take pleasure in the right things. And point number three is you got to take heart because God is in control. So point number one, if you're going to have a spiritual revival, it starts with taking responsibility with your life. And we're talking about whether it's good or bad. Just being honest with where you're at. If there's a problem, recognize it. 
That's the only way that you can change it. Turn to Matthew chapter 25, or I think we're already there. And in Matthew chapter 25, the context of this is Jesus is talking to his disciples. And the, the conversation actually starts back in Matthew 24. He's talking to his disciples and they, they ask him, like, what's it going to be like in the, at the last days? You know, Jesus is telling them a bunch of stuff. And, you know, he right before we get to verse 14, where we're going to be reading, he's telling them that you have to be ready because you don't know when it's going to happen. So really, Jesus doesn't necessarily tell them what it's going to be like. He just says, you need to be prepared. You need to be ready. And that's the main message that he's preaching to them. And then we get in verse 14. Jesus is continuing this lesson with his disciples. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money to another two talents to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, so I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what I, what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, point number one about having a spiritual revival, take responsibility for your life. Jesus is fully aware that certain people have more ability than other people. Sometimes we just got to get okay with that fact. Other people are better than you. I love sports. We had our sports, uh, you know, our back to school sports devo um, at the park. And one of the guys that came out, he plays wide receiver at COC. And uh, I was like, I tried to stick him. I was like, all right, you know, let's, let's go. Okay, I'm going to guard you and see if you can catch the ball. I realized really quick that I am no match for a college receiver. I'm somewhat athletic, but I would stand no chance on the college football field. It was just, I was just, and I just kind of was like, wow, okay, I'm like, a lot slower and a lot shorter, and I can't jump as high 
as, I, as this guy right here, who obviously is bigger, faster, stronger than me. He just has more ability. You know, Jesus is fully aware. He makes that known. Certain people just have more ability. You know, different people are talented in different ways. You know, some people have more money. They have more time. They have more skills. Some are smarter than others. You know, the issue isn't what you do and don't have. The issue is what you do with it. You know, as my uh, mother-in-law says, you'll get what you get and you won't throw a fit. That's the perspective we're trying to, we're going for. You know, it's what are you doing with what you have? You know, when I was uh, 15 years old, my parents told me, Aaron, if you're going to, we'll we'll teach you how to drive, but you're going to have to buy your first car. We can't afford to buy you a car. So I worked and, you know, I started working actually since I was like 14. I think they told me that like two years. They gave me two years to save money. And I saved up like like $1,000 to buy a car. And I found a 1984 Ford Mustang. This thing was two years older than I was. Excuse me, two years younger than I was. I was born in 82. Found a 1984 Ford Mustang before you're like, oh, that's awesome. Guys, this thing was a, it was, it was a, it was a piece of junk. It was bad. First of all, it had to, you know, it was $700. I had to put about $250 worth of engine work into it. So I spent almost my entire $1,000. It was a four-cylinder Ford Mustang. It went from zero to 60 in about 30 seconds. It was, you know, I, I was really excited about having a car, but I quickly lost interest in my car. People would want to race me. You know, that's just what I would like to do. And I'd get beaten by Ford Escorts. I'd get beaten by, yep. My granddad's Datsun was faster than my car. Buick Century, I remember racing a Buick Century. It was faster than my car. I mean, it was just, you know, it wasn't a, I didn't like my car after a while. You know, because I didn't like it, I kind of was like, I just didn't take care of it. Eventually it broke down. And so I said, well, I need to buy another one. So I got to sell this one, see what I can get for it. And I sold it to a guy for $600. And I didn't know it at the time, but he had vision for my Mustang. He rebuilt and raced Mustangs at the local speedway. Drag raced Mustangs. And he was looking for that exact body type because the frame was lighter than the others. He put 900 horsepower in that thing. And that thing won all kind of races for him. He won thousands upon thousands of dollars. You know, it's kind of, I mean, we do that sometimes with our talents and our abilities. We get so focused on what we don't have or our shortcomings. And we fail to have vision for what we do have. You know, this guy saw my Mustang and he said, man, I can win some races with that thing. Me, I just complained about it because it went from zero to 60. I'm not kidding when I say 30 seconds. It was like a lawnmower engine is what I felt like I was driving. You know, he looked at it. He saw what it could be. And I just saw what it couldn't be. And when I think one of the biggest battles that we face today is wishing for more. More time, more fun, more money. 
more abilities. We look at those things compared to what we have and we beat ourselves up about it instead of taking responsibility for what we have, for working with what we got. You know, I'm impressed by the guy with two talents. Because Jesus says he received his talent based on his ability. I mean, I would like, I mean, what was that discussion like? Well, you are the most talented one. So you're going to get five. You, you're not even half as talented as this guy. So I'm going to give you two. And you, you get one. I mean, I wonder how encouraging that conversation was. How did he spin that one? But I'm impressed by the guy with the two talents. Because it didn't get him down. He went out and he doubled what he had. If you're like, what's a talent? You know, the footnote on my Bible says about $1,000. So he turned his $2,000 into $4,000. You know, and I don't know. I don't, it doesn't matter where you come from. Doubling your money is hard. But it's a lot easier to double it, like doubling a penny is pretty easy. Doubling a thousand pennies is a little bit harder. Doubling a, many, a million pennies gets very difficult. And, but this guy, he, he looked at I'm impressed by him because he said, you know what? I'm, only, I'm not even half as talented as this guy, but you know what? I'm going to use it to the best of my abilities. And he doubled it. Isn't that awesome? We can't be like the third guy. Says he just threw his talent away. He just he just hit his head head in the sand. Why? Because he was scared. He was fearful to put it into practice. You want to bother God with your life? Do nothing with what He's given you, and see how He responds. It's not about what you got. It's about what you do with it. You know, a spiritual revival is always going to start with us taking responsibility with where we're at, no matter where you're at. Point number two is spiritual revival means we have to take pleasure in the right things. Got a quote from um, one of the greatest coaches ever, Vince Lombardi. Sorry, I got a couple football things in here. Vince Lombardi, they actually, in the NFL, this is who they named the championship trophy trophy after, the, the Lombardi trophy. And one of my favorite quotes, he says, winning is a habit. Watch your thoughts. They become your beliefs. Watch your beliefs. They become your words. Watch your words. They become your actions. Watch your actions. They become your habits. Watch your habits. They become your character. You know, we have to take pleasure in the right things. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew 6, Jesus is he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Thousands of people are listening to him, and, he has, and he's just going from topic to topic to topic. And in verse 19... He gets to um, this point. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Excuse me. 
But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, ask yourself this morning, what do I treasure? I'm not asking in theory, what do you treasure? Or in theory, what's good to treasure? But honestly, what do I treasure? You know, for many of us, if we are really honest, we said, you know, the thing that I go to most, the thing that's most valuable to me is this thing. I treasure this. You might not say it out loud, but you act like it. Or maybe this, your credit card or your money. Or maybe it's your keys to your car. You're like, these are the things that I treasure the most. I do not treasure these keys. This is the church van keys. <laughs> I do love the church van. I'm grateful that we have one. That is very, that is, that is for sure. But I ask you, what do you treasure the most? You know, treasure is something that you, it's something that you highly value, that you hold in high regard. You know, I love my family. You know, as uh, Lashane and I, we had, you know, a breakfast date yesterday morning. And we're talking about, you know, what's our, you know, we're talking about our family and what's our child going to be like. And so kind of what we're doing is we're going back and saying, well, what's our family like? What are some of the abilities of our family? And so we're, we're, we're picking and choosing. She's telling about how her granddad was an amazing athlete. And I'm telling her how my granddad was an amazing athlete as well. So maybe our, hopefully our son is an amazing athlete. And, uh, you know, as we're talking about it, I started getting teary-eyed. And, I, you know, I didn't mean to. I just started getting teary-eyed. And Lashana's like, are you crying? You know, and I'm like, no, 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 no. My, this is honest. I said, no, my nose is running. I'm sorry. I just got allergies. You know, but I realized in that discussion, especially preparing my lesson, that, you know what? You know what? I treasure my family. It makes me emotional just thinking about my granddad. I, you know, I lost my granddad a couple of years ago, but I, I really treasure him. So when I think about those memories, I treasure him. Ask yourself, what do I t- truly treasure? Because if we're going to have a spiritual revival, we've got to take pleasure in the right things. I got like six things I thought about that, that you can look at and you're like, okay, do I take pleasure in these things? Do you take pleasure in your relationship with God? Is it a have to or is it a want to for you? What about marriage? Do you treasure your marriage? I appreciated Roger up here. Just lifting his wife up for the first three minutes of his communion. I mean, thank you. I mean, but I mean, it's such a great example. You know, your, your, your spouse is the most important human relationship you have here on earth. Do you treat it that way? What about your family? Do you take pleasure in being a good son or a good daughter, a loving mother and a loving father? Is that something that you treasure? I'm not talking about the theory of it. I'm talking about the actual actions behind it. What about friendships? You know, this one's one of the more difficult ones for me. Is making sure my friends feel like a treasure. 
like I value them. You know, friendships, it's not just always about having fun. It's about having people that can lift you up. They can challenge you every now and then they got to beat you up. But then they got to lift you up after that. But that's what, you know, do you treasure your friendships? What about do you treasure the purpose given to you by Jesus? The purpose of making disciples. Is it something that you look at and you say, I love doing that. I take pleasure in doing that. It's it's such a treasure for me to be able to help somebody spiritually. Or is it a burden? What about serving? Is that something that you treasure? You know, Christ came to serve. And we are called to imitate that action. Is it something that you treasure? You know, if we're going to experience a revival, you, you have to, sometimes you've got to take an honest look at these type of areas. You know, like I said, when I'm writing these things down, I know, like, for me, I've got I to hear this thing, same thing, too, because I'm like, you know, I don't treasure all of these areas. But that's part of a revival. Like point one says is taking ownership, taking responsibility of where things are at and say, you know what? I'm not, I haven't been treasuring my relationship with God. What am I going to do to change it? I haven't treasured my marriage the way it needs to be treasured. What am I going to do to change it? You know, the great thing about that is it's just one decision that you make. How are you doing in those areas? You know, one of the, um, one of the things that inspired me this past week you know, reading about all the, the, the football news and what's happened is a guy, one of the guys got cut off of his team. Many of you might know his name, Tim Tebow. And Tim Tebow is an amazing uh, college athlete. He won a couple national titles for Florida. And uh, he did well, like his, his first season, he actually won a playoff game in the NFL. But since then, he's kind of been like kind of thrown around from team to team and hasn't really been able to play football like he loves. And I was actually following him this year because I'm like, okay, maybe he'll make the team. You know, I don't know Tim Tebow, but I like watching him play. He's fun. He's a winner. And um, he actually got cut, so he did not make the final roster spot of his team. But I appreciated his response. Because Tim Tebow, I don't, like I said, I don't know him. But he is not scared to proclaim his faith in God to the world. And this is what, this is what he tweeted out after he got cut by the team. He said, Thanks to the Eagles and Coach Kelly for giving me the opportunity to play the game I love. And he typed in Romans 8.28. You know, yesterday, Romans 8.28 was the top 10 Google and Yahoo search scriptures. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you just got to admire somebody like that. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. I just think about the millions of people that read that scripture because he decided to take a stand. You know, he didn't make the team. I don't know if he's going to play this year or not. But the response was, you know what? It's okay. God's in control. You know, when you treasure the right things, the wrong things don't hurt you as much when they disappoint you or when they let you down. You treasure the right things, the wrong things, they just, they just don't get at you as much. If you're going to experience a spiritual revival, you have to treasure the right things. Take pleasure in the right things. Point number three is take heart. God is in control. Turn to John chapter 19. 
John chapter 19, Jesus has been sentenced to death. He's about to go to the cross. He's been beaten. And he's facing trial. And Roman governor, the Roman governor Pilate is there. And Pilate is kind of like, he, he, I think he's a little confused at this situation. It's like, why do they want to kill this guy? He doesn't know what to do with it. He's got an angry mob that's shouting, kill Jesus. And he's got Jesus, who seems somewhat innocent, not saying anything, not even defending himself. And in John chapter 19, verse 10, Pilate's talking to Jesus. He says, do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realize I have power either to free you or crucify you? And Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. You know, I love that because Jesus just kind of lays it out. He's like, bro, don't get it twisted. The only reason you are in the place you're in is because God allowed it. God is in control of this entire situation. You know, and sometimes you just got to wonder, it's like if God just sits up there and laughs at us when we freak out over the little things. Like, oh, I haven't eaten today and you start freaking out. Or traffic. Or something go, doesn't go exactly the way you want it to at work. You know, sometimes we just have to say to ourselves, okay, God is in control. Take heart. God is in control. God has won all his battles up until now. He's not going to start losing in your lifetime. Sometimes we forget that. We forget, man, okay, God is in control. It just brings a nice, it just brings a peace about it when you're connected with that. I want to read a couple of scriptures. Uh, go to Psalm chapter 24. These just illustrate how much God is in control. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. I mean, it's just one of those things he's saying, this is all God's anyways. What you have is his. He's just letting you borrow it. God is in control. Sometimes we just got to remember that. We just got to take heart and remember, God is in control. Go to Psalm 50. Verse 7. He says, Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I do not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are ever before me. I have no need of a bull from your saw or of goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. Would I mean, you guys get that? It's all his anyways. If you're going to have a spiritual revival, sometimes you just got to sit back and realize, okay, God's in control. He's got this. He's got it taken care of. Now, I know it gets really challenging 
when it comes to the big things. You know, I want to take a second and, you know, just thank the church, uh, you know, just for all your prayers over the last couple of years. You know, as my wife and I have like really tried to get pregnant over the past couple of years, it has been a journey. It has been very tough at times. And we're so grateful for just all the prayers that, that have come our way. You know, I think there is a lot of hard parts in that. You know, we heard from doctors and they would say, it's not going to happen. Or if it does happen, you're probably not going to be able to keep the baby. You know, and that was, you know, that's discouraging news. You know, or the fact that it just took so long. And, you know, we would constantly be trying and was never, we weren't having success. But I think the hardest part in all of this was realizing that God is in control and surrendering all of it to him. You know, we know that, you know, childbirth is a miracle. The whole process, I mean, we're not out of the clear yet. You know, we're doing December. We're just getting into the third trimester. I know we got a couple others here that are pregnant. We got like a baby a month <laughs> happening right now. The Neelands, the Montanos, the O'Connors. Um, it's really cool to see. But I know for me personally, I've been encouraged just by all the prayers, but guys, it hasn't been easy. It's been really hard to sit back and say, to take heart and realize that God is in control. You see, like, I think growing closer to God and realizing He's in control is not just a simple matter of working harder, which so many of us are prone to do. But it's a matter of surrendering more. You know, we had to get to a point where we said, all right, God, however this happens, we're just going to leave it up to you. We're going to stop worrying about it. We're going to keep praying for it. But we're going to put it completely in your hands. And saying that and feeling that are two very completely different things. How are you doing at putting God in control of the big things in your life. How's your surrender right now? Have you surrendered 95% but then you have another 5% that's kind of off limits? God wants all of us. We have to take heart. God's in control. He's got it. He has it all. You know, and sometimes you just have to sit back and just pray and tell God, you know what, God, here's what I want, but it's up to you and be okay with that. You know, if you're going to experience a spiritual revival in your life, it's always going to start with taking responsibility with where you're at and using what you have, not worrying about what you don't have, but doing good with what you do have. It's going to mean that you have to focus on the right things. Treasure the right things. It's not about the cars. It's not about the money. It's not about the houses. It's not about the, the newest electronics. But it's focusing on the right things. 
your walk with God, your friendships, your family. But amidst all of that, if you're going to experience a spiritual revival, you have to remember at all times, God is in control. And I want to challenge the church this morning. If you're having a hard time with that one, fight for surrender. Surrender is one of the greatest things that you can have. It brings you so close to God when you just realize that he is in control. It's not about what you do. You just get back and let God go. Guys, thank you for letting me share this morning. We're going to stand up. We're going to close in one final song.